What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Games Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. Uh, that was a surprise start. I like. I know. It was like sudden. <laughs> yeah, after 660 episodes, I've got to keep you on your toes. And Justin oh, wow. Davis. Wow. Scoop. Here. That does mean we're five episodes away from episode 666. Yeah, that's please cool. Be, We're in the neighborhood of the beast. Please be excited. <laughs> we got a great show for you this week. Obviously, there's another huge acquisition we got to talk about. I think it's just every two weeks now, we're going to get another one of these to talk about. Mm-hmm. Sony buying Bungie, of course. Both the uh, PlayStation 5 and the Nintendo Switch have hit really big sales milestones recently. But first, uh, IGN's review of Dying Light 2 went up this week. Who reviewed that one for us, Tina? Um, who did review that one? I haven't read it yet, it was, honestly. It was a freelancer. Had a freelance review that one for us. Um, oh, but it was, I think it was uh, Travis, I believe. Yeah, it was Travis oh, yeah. Northrup. Travis Northrup, um, yeah. you know, And uh, if anyone has ever listened to Fireteam Chat, definitely know Travis. Yep. Uh, and then oh, I th- right. Yeah. Good show. And then I think both uh, Sam and Tina have been playing, which I was a little bit surprised about. It just doesn't seem like a, a particularly Tina or Sam oh, game. Yeah? But what did you guys Rude. think? Rude. Um, I mean, I'm only a few hours in because I've gotten distracted by some other things that I'm sure we will talk about on future scoop episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's a, it had like um, I do like zombie environments. I like horror games. It's obviously a little bit different because it's much more action oriented. So you're doing, you know, what people know with Dying Light. It's it's predominantly um, a melee focused experience, uh, predominantly parkour experience which is not just a trend from however many years ago that was a trend it is it's just the general way that you're moving about this environment um and i know sam has different opinions i do like it because it introduces this new element that's not just about combat so you're you're kind of navigating the world as it changes in intensity between daytime and nighttime anybody who's played dying light one is familiar with this kind of mechanic but it really does amp up the intensity for me And I don't know if it's uh, a matter of the fact that it's actually not that difficult when it's at the nighttime, because I've heard people mentioning that before, um, that they didn't think that the nighttime was as uh, as intense as it could have been. But for me, once Mm -hmm. it hits nighttime and I know that there's a possibility to be chased by a literal horde of zombies, maybe I just get in my own head about it. Because if I miss like a ledge, I miss a jump or something, I get into like hyper panic mode and, you know, I got to find the next truck to to. to trounce on top of and, and make sure I get to a safe point. Um, so I liked the system of, cause during the daytime you can unlock these, um, I forget what they're called. Cause it's been like a couple days. So of course I've forgotten everything about the details of this game, but there's like the safety zones, the, the hideouts uh, that you can effectively unlock so that they have the UV light available. And then you can take on your nighttime missions. So I like that element of strategy that was involved too. Like I'd get into an area unlock those elements and all the side quests I can do during the daytime and then focus on like surviving the nighttime um, moments too. Mm-hmm. Sam, different opinions from you. Well, I think my take is a little bit earlier. Um, I, I like that. So there's a really cool concept of this game, which people often describe as, you know, mirror's edge with zombies, but like, that's like the controllers map that way. And like, it really is about parkour and first person. And that's why like these escape sequences are really fun. Right. Um, I think that's a, a really clever way to set up the game. I was expecting, I don't know why I expected this, but I thought this game setting was a big open world that included, you know, nature and exploration and stuff like that. It's a city. Like, it's like, near that. It's like you're on top of roofs a lot, you know? And like, if you're not doing that, you're in like, um, smaller combat areas, you know? And, uh, so there's that. So that, that trapping alone, I, I don't like as much. And then, um, it's like, it's, it's not well acted or written and that really shouldn't matter in a game like this, but um, it's a drag. Like the first, the first part of it takes a long time to get into. And there's mm-hmm. a bunch of kind of silly things that happen to your character where you're like, why are these people being so cool to this outsider that's invaded that they should just immediately kill? Like I've seen zombie films before. <laughs> Nobody's nice, you yeah. know? And mm-hmm. like, and they're not, they're mean to each other, but like this guy gets a pass every time. It just doesn't feel right. This is really strange. And then, I, you know whatever maybe there's like story if people like the story and how it concludes and stuff like that but there's that and then i think the setting's a little silly like why are all these people living in this rundown city that's filled with zombies like that doesn't make any sense like they have to hide from the zombies every night but they have like nice bars and stuff they go to like it's just crazy like it's just like and like all of that should add up to being like a really cool set of gameplay mechanics and that's where i think that's mainly true mm-hmm. but so far for me the one stick, stick i like the jumping i like the 
when I miss, I feel like kind of like sometimes I shouldn't have missed like a big jump and stuff like that. So that's one thing. But like generally the motion and the ways there's basically obstacle courses that are set up for you to get through are really fun. Um, the combat that I've done. And again, you get like magic basically and stuff like that in the game. Like, that, you know, you get like superpowers, right? Um, in some form. I don't know what they are because I haven't played it. So I'm not spoiling it. I'm just telling you that what the game tells you in the beginning. Um, but uh, the, you, uh, the initial fighting is more like combo, um, like precision, Amy fighting stuff. That's kind of like from, you know, it's first person. So it's not really like action games to compare this to like, you know, you know Neta or something like that. But it, it takes like it takes a skill set that like it take it takes a long time to kill enemies sometimes. And you have to do a lot of like combinations of attacks. And I'm just like, that's just not what I want to be doing in, in a game. I, like I like the I like the, the running sets and the escaping sets of activities and then the combat when i'm like fighting a human i'm like this sucks i don't want to do this mm. it just takes forever and i'm just like when is this over mm-hmm. you know it does take forever and it, it can be really clunky and i think by design because you're supposed like every one of your hits is supposed to be intentional you have stamina that you have to keep track of like there's all these different elements it's all about survivability ultimately like it's it feels like it's supposed to be this somewhat realistic experience of a post-apocalyptic but still zombie-filled world um, so the clunkiness, like it does feel like the controls are a little bit clunky and heavy because you're supposed to do these intentional hits and it's, uh, I don't know. It just feels a little bit limiting for me. I, I'm sure it's like by design, like I said, but I prefer like fast fluid, like better action, you know, more mm-hmm. accessibility to different kinds of weapons for different kinds sure. of scenarios that don't, you know, break on you instantaneously and whatnot. I think what people will like about this game is that it it is like, it's adrenaline, you know, mm. rush inducing in a lot in a lot of ways. Like it, they they've kind of nailed a, a gameplay and you know fear factor, which is just like it's super cool. And like I, I for me, it's just not the right setting for that. Um, for I think some people like really really like this game for what it is, though. I I, I can see its quality. Mm. I never played the first one. Given what you know about me, would you recommend I play Dying Light Two? Mm. No. I think like because one of the one of the things about Dying Light and like we've seen this in preview clips and whatnot, and they've really raved about the fact that there's such a progression built into the game. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can't exactly appropriately pinpoint whether or not, you know, it's any of our games or or a game that's worth like putting in the rest of the time to actually complete the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because of that slow progression. So I feel like once we get to a point where we're crafting more things, like maybe it'll feel a little bit less slow and heavy handed and clunky. And maybe mm-hmm. it would actually like up the action to match the intensity. I'll, I'll put more hours into it. I'll report back. Okay. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sh- and we're, What's that? It has co-op and we were talking about yeah. trying that yeah. out and like, maybe that that could like offset some of the, the issues with it. So there's that. And like, I think like, you know, to, to, I do want to see like maybe the game to be fair to this game. Like I, I, I can see all the systems are setting up and what there is later that that's great. Um, but for Damon, I think you would be frustrated by how long it takes to get there because I know that you've bounced off of games early. Um, and for the same reason I have, you yeah. know, I was just like, why am I putting up with this? Like I, I have other games I can fall into faster. Yeah. I think that's the bigger exactly problem right. is February, 2022. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly right. Yeah. I'm not sure if dying light two is on my horizon right now but justin what uh, lego game are you uh, up to uh i'm at the very very end of lego indiana jones oh my gosh it is great um that's the second lego game for those keeping track and the stack rank of them lego indiana jones it's going to be over lego <laughs> uh star wars the sky the skywalker saga well not the skywalker so, saga right just the original no, my, trilogy. my mistake lego indiana jones the complete saga which is the original compilation of uh lego one and two so hmm. uh, next week I should be on to Lego Batman. I think is number three. Oh my god! Is Crystal Skull on that one? No, uh, the the they did an insane thing with the Lego games. So they released two Lego Indiana Jones games one year apart, and uh, the one I'm playing now is movies one through f- three, and hmm. the one that came out the year later hmm. retells the story of one, two, three. So like a new level with the bold, yeah. you know, Boulder Escape, and a new level of Temple of Doom. But then the back half of the game is all Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. Was the so, uh, was the heart ripping out part in Temple of Doom still really scary? <laughs> no, they they do they mumble their way through it. It's pretty cute. Yeah. So if you had the to rank really them, good. if you had to rank them so far, how's your ranking going? 
of the Lego games. Yeah, because you played what one and a half, almost two. I've I've played <laughs> two of them, yeah. and Lego Indiana Jones is number one wow. out of the two. Wow. Um, no, it has like legitimately good puzzles in it. Like they're not. It's not like look like it's Lego games, so the puzzles aren't like that hardcore, that hard. But like they're the same. They're like on par with like the puzzles of like an Uncharted game. You know, like you're going mm-hmm. into these rooms, you got to explore all around and find the orbs and figure out how to get out. Like it's great. It's a great time. Mm-hmm. It's not like Lego Star Wars is like a little bit of a chore. And like this game feels old and like the vehicles feel really bad. Whereas like Lego Indiana Jones, I'm like, yes, this is this is my business. Do they tell the story chronologically, starting with Temple of Doom? <laughs> no. And also the story makes absolutely no sense if you haven't seen the movies. <laughs> like when 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 they mumble their way through these cutscenes, I was like realizing because I've been playing through Lego games with my daughter too. Like if she hadn't seen Indiana Jones, you'd have no, it doesn't give you enough to know like what's going on. It's mm-hmm. kind of unclear who it's for. They're, they're assuming the player has seen the movies. hundred percent. Okay. Let's get into it. The big scoop of the week. Sony is acquiring Bungie for $3.6 billion. Uh, not quite 70 billion that uh, Microsoft is paying for Activision Blizzard, but nothing to sneeze at. I don't think of course, Bungie has got, Destiny. That's kind of all that we know that Bungie has these days. Although I think they have announced that they're working on something new in the background. Something it's supposed to be comical, I think is what, what uh, some job listings have said. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. So whatever. Uh, yeah, it's like a Bungie's new IP. Yeah, they, we know that they're working on a new IP. And yeah, they've cited that. Um, so that's all we know so far. Yeah. Like, like Octodad? <laughs> it's going to be. Yes. <laughs> we can confirm With, here. Uh, with live service abilities. Bungie is making <laughs> the sequel to Octodad. You can, you can oh, buy more, more tentacles for your Octodad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> NFTs so, are non-fungible tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> what does this do? I don't know, I, is this surprising news to you, Tina? What does this do for Sony or for Bungie? Um, I mean, it's not entirely surprising given that they have a, a, like a history of a relationship mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. already with Bungie. So it makes sense. And, in their previous acquisitions, you can see a pattern of like they've worked with these studios before they have an established relationship with them. So the acquisition itself makes sense. And frankly, like we're already beginning to feel and, you know, the IGN news team is hearing rumors um, that we can't mm. uh, we can't fully substantiate yet. Otherwise, we would report them. But for now, we're hearing rumors that like this is certainly not the end of things. Other people are hearing those rumors as well. So it certainly does feel like this is going to be the year of acquisition. So it's also not surprising for that factor. Um, as for what it does for Sony, I think it's kind of fascinating because their strategy historically, if you look at like quotes from Jim Ryan and other you know executives that have spoken to like what they prioritize for the PlayStation ecosystem, it's very much been about their boxes to reduce it just to that kind of description. Whereas like Xbox has been much more about, you know, an ecosystem like we're available on PC. Game Pass is our big thing. So the interesting thing about Bungie in this situation is what they've specifically said about wanting to create more live service games and that Destiny has a framework for that sort of thing, that Bungie has the talent to be able to incorporate that in like a player-friendly sort of a system. So it does feel like they're expanding beyond the realm of um, just these these like big cinematic first-person narrative-driven games, or not necessarily first-person, but all the other stuff um, that, you know, that's been a lot of what their focus has been. I meant single-player. And I think this is exposing it to them wanting to diversify what they're working on within the framework of companies that they still have like familiarity and trust with as well. um, Trust with as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of games. Like undoubtedly, we'll still see those single player, narrative driven, um, big cinematic, like you know, AAA looking, feeling kinds of game experiences. But I think Mm -hmm. we're going to start to see some other segments that will will be part of like the PlayStation strategy. Uh, moving forward after this acquisition and once we start to see what those games are forming up to be. Yeah, it's true that Sony doesn't really have a live service offering of its own. Um, And then there was another news story this week. Forgive me if you mentioned this already, but that PlayStation says it wants to launch more than 10 live service Mm -hmm. games by 2026 over the next four years. uh, And I, you know, presumably uh, Bungie could help with that. But that would be more than two live service games a year if you, you know, if you, if you split it up evenly. And I just, I don't know, uh, live service games are designed to be, you know, to like take up all your time and, 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 and make you feel guilty for not playing it for one day. You know, so I like, how, <laughs> how like, designed for 
Don't you think people who play a live service game probably just like have like one that they mainly focus on? Like, or a couple, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe two. But it's like, who would? Ha- who, how how many live service games can one person juggle at a time? You know. Totally, yeah. especially because they're really social experiences too. Yeah. So people end up like, "Hey, Friday, we're doing that raid or or what have you." Yeah, I mean, you know, it makes the Bungie acquisition make sense in context where it's like, well, is Destiny really worth, you know, that many billions of dollars? Like, I, sure. you know, I don't know, maybe it is. Like, I'm not sure how many millions of people are still playing it, but like that tech being loaned out and that expertise being used to spin up other live services makes mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. makes some sense at least. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Dornbush wrote an op-ed on uh, IGN today about the acquisition and about what Sony's intentions might be. And he mentioned uh, an interesting point about how Sony's um, like total gross income from games right now, about a third of that is already from DLC. So, I mean, you you can see that right there. They want to grow that part of their business and live games are notorious, maybe not notorious, but famous for having DLC, right? Like that's like, that's the, you you keep on paying for this thing, not necessarily in subscription format always, but in cosmetics and upgrades. Cosmetics, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. I made an interesting, I made a goof on social media. I mean, it's not a goof. It's a true fact, but just that Bungie has been bought by Microsoft and Sony. Mm-hmm. And they're the only company on earth that's been acquired by those two companies. And the number of people in my replies that I have to assume they're kids. And I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but like, honestly, younger people, mm-hmm. like I got lots of replies from people being like Microsoft never owned Bungie. What? <laughs> and like, that's far enough in the past. And I'm like, dude, like they're not, they're not the destiny studio in my mind. Like they're the creators of halo, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, and before and, that and, they were the creators of marathon, right? Yeah, they almost got married to Apple. Yep. Um, you know, so that's that's just an interesting quirk of um, gaming history that, you know, it hasn't been like it's like it's not like it's lost to the sands of time. It's like the second thing on the mm-hmm. on Bungie's Wikipedia entry. But like there's people out there that are, you know, adults and using social media and are fans of Bungie that just weren't aware that that was a that was an aspect of their mm-hmm. company's history. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I guess it was maybe 14, 15 years ago now. So. Maybe it's been if, a while. if someone's in their early twenties, yeah, because they were spun out. I think in the mid two thousands and continued to make Halo games. They made like two more Halo games after they were not owned by Microsoft anymore. What like so, ODST um, and Reach? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know um, what's interesting about Sony's kind of like long term portfolio and our perception of them. And Jonathan touched on a part of this, but I'll expand on it in his article. Um, but. Uh, when Sony first came around, they actually took over PlayStation took over as like the kind of the, the sports game it was a console. Like they had a bunch of, you know, like sit on your couch and play with your friends games that range from Tony Hawk to the big sports series like Madden to uh, uh, Gran Turismo, right? Like th- those are the biggest games from PlayStation in the nineties. It took a long time to build their business into what we think of them as now. I think, you know, it took 20 years and this took that past 10 years as like a company that does the experiences that Tina was mentioning, the big single player, like, you know, epics that wasn't, that wasn't really part of Sony. So like they did have RPGs, they had JRPGs, but like, that's not those are on everything now they don't even have those as an exclusive so like it's kind of interesting to think like okay they actually need more of a they have they need more of a generalist component which is like Mm. basically like that's what live games are becoming right they're like Mm. every every well a lot more types of gamers played Fortnite than played you know god of war you know it's also worth pointing out that in their sort of strategic vision for expanding what the company does and what their expertise is um you know this is is obvious to people that pay attention, but this has been in the works for months and months, yeah. right? Like, yeah. It's not like Sony's like, Ooh, who are we gonna buy? Yeah. Like, yeah. we've got who can we buy in the next two weeks? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And speaking of yeah. Bungie being uh, you know, the 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 original creator of Halo, there's something we can nip in the bud. We got an email from Jules in Belgium who wrote in to say, with the recent acquisition of Bungie by PlayStation, does this mean we might see the Master Chief collection on PS4, PS5? No, because uh, even though Bungie created Halo, uh, Microsoft now owns the Halo brand. So un- until Sony wants to allow Game Pass onto PS4 and <laughs> PS5, no, you're not going to see Master Chief Collection. Then. <laughs> It'd be pretty spicy, though. It would be pretty spicy. Um, man, it's, I, I can't believe in the, like, the first month of the new year, we have three, okay. three acquisitions, because don't forget Take-Two uh, buying up Thinga for 
$12 billion. I mean, how, how happy are you right now? If you're like, you know, I, I don't know, like square or Capcom. <laughs> Why? Because like, you weren't all- bought or because you might be bought. Well, like you're worth more now than you were a month ago. Certainly. Right. Like yeah. any large independent game developer that's left. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because they're all gonna they're all gonna be eyed for poaching. So mm-hmm. yeah. we can yeah. see how that goes. Well, um, as as long as uh, alongside all of these acquisitions that are happening out there, uh, enough people have acquired the PlayStation Five to allow it to mm-hmm. out, outsell the Wii U. Uh, the Wii U's lifetime numbers. The PS Five is now sitting at seventeen point three million units sold as of December first, twenty twenty one. The Wii U just reached thirteen point five, thirteen and a half million sales. So definitely leapfrogged over that. Next up for the PlayStation Five is the GameCube. That's the next one it's trying to get to with twenty two million. It'll probably do it in first quarter. Well, maybe I mean, you know, I know supply chain is still constrained, but surely it won't take them that much longer to sell. Five million more units of PS5. Always, always the punching bag, the Wii U, Damon. I don't know why you have to. The Dreamcast sold like exactly the same amount as the Wii U. Why don't we just say Dreamcast? Yeah. I just. Oh, the Dreamcast. Okay. So let's make the Wii the punching bag because the Nintendo Switch has outsold the Wii. <laughs> mm-hmm. These are your favorite two punching bags. <laughs> I think this is, a, this is kind of incredible. I think the Wii is yep. only five. Or, I'm sorry, the Nintendo Switch is only five years old. Um, the Nintendo Switch has now sold 103.5 million units. It is the third best-selling console of all time, home console of all time. Yep. It passed the PS4, right? No, no, no. But the PS4 is at 117 million. That's, oh, that's the next one. That's coming. the next one. But that begs the question, like, is the Nintendo Switch going to outsell the PlayStation 4? Oh, yeah. It's insane. The, the PlayStation 4 is four years older than the switch. Yeah, that's a good point. I just, yeah, it's had so much more time to sell consoles. Yeah. Yeah. I suspect, I don't know if there's been any user research done on this. I'd be curious to dig into this more, but I bet that more homes own two switches than like no homes own two PS4s. They're very, very few. If they bought a PS4 and PS4 slim later, whereas I bet there's more multi-switch households, but, um, you know, so so when they do cross that threshold, maybe it'll come with a little bit of an asterisk, but it still counts. It still counts. It's still all you know, money in Nintendo's pocket. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's well deserved. Like that console still feels innovative and fun. Like you know, I'm kind of over the low power of the thing five years on. Yeah. But, um, you know, I still really like my Switch. Like you take a risk, and and I'm always happy to see that pay off in a big way. Yep. Just isn't it isn't it a little surprising that it has. It's outsold the Wii without being the cultural phenomenon that the Wii was. No, oh, Animal Crossing, man. I don't know. Yeah. But there's I nothing like Wii Sport. Like, okay, Animal Crossing isn't being like brought into retirement. Animal Crossing is your third favorite punching bag. Let's just get that. <laughs> that, is that is true. true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the retirement home thing, sure, but like Animal Crossing became an actual like, cro- like it's a cultural phenomenon with like, you know, women and, and teens and like, you know, maybe an audience that like isn't tuning into GameScoop every sure. week, but it's like all over like, you know, Tumblr and TikTok and everywhere else. It still is to this day. Yeah, I know it's one of the best selling games on the Switch for sure. I think I think Pokemon is just always going to drive this too. you know, like mm-hmm. in, in, remember Nintendo was releasing Pokemon only on a 3DS during the during the Wii U's life cycle. So mm-hmm. it, now it's come It's a one system. There's not two, you know, it's just like wherever Pokemon is, there's just a giant audience and boy, they are putting out a lot of Pokemon games. There's two out in the past three months, big ones. Well, I know the last one, Arceus, the latest one, what was the one before that even? Are you, you're not talking Diamond about Diamond and Pearl. Diamond and November. Pearl. And then there was uh, the Pokemon snap last year too, right? And snap. Yeah. So in the past year, because Pokemon Snap basically came out in April, so yeah. a year and change. There's been three big Pokemon games. Oh, that one didn't hit as hard as I thought it would. I was gonna, I was just gonna say that one seemed to come and go. People like asked for it for years, and then it was good. But like, I don't think it was as hard as people mm-hmm. maybe wanted it to be. <laughs> I, want, I want a really hard Pokemon Snap. Game. Well, Pokemon Snap is hard. It's like super annoying. Like, there's like crazy, stupid stuff you have to get to like, those critters in your balls. <laughs> Whoa. This is a family show. So, hey, Sam. look, you should you should play a Pokemon game before you make jokes about it. I don't think I should. <laughs> I think I should <laughs> keep. Making... No, I don't, I don't think I will. 
I mean, I to keep making Pokemon jokes. Are you going to play Arceus, Sam? I would like to. Yeah, I've heard th- the thing that entices me about it is uh, that it's about it's easier to get all of the Pokemon in this game. And by easy, I mean, it's like more fun and not like this, like brutal trudge of trading with people or doing insane tasks of breeding and stuff like that. It's like you can go out and battle and collect 200 and whatever Pokemon. So like I like that in Pokemon Go. And I like that in the first Pokemon game I played, which has been remade you know, 25 times since then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I enjoy that part of Pokemon and it, it seems like it's worth playing. I don't know if I want to play it right now, but I'll play it. Sure. I was, I was not interested in it. And then I saw all the really cool checklists in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that stuff neat? That's all I really want in a video game. Mm-hmm. Just That's checklists. Why I play video games. Just yeah. to fill bars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, even though uh, the PlayStation 5 has managed to outsell the Wii U in just one year of its lifespan, uh, Sony has been forced to cut its PlayStation 5 sales forecast by millions of units over the next year. This is because of the ongoing component shortages. Sony had previously expected to sell more than 14.8 million PS5s by March of 2022, a number that would have seen the console exceed PS4 sales on on its second financial year uh, on the market. But now the company is no longer expecting, and I'm reading from IGN's news article, no longer expecting to be able to reach that level of supply. It's now forecasting 11.5 million, so you know, three-some million uh, units shorter. And IGN user Evil Zephyr wonders, <laughs> could this alter plans for the PS5 having actual exclusives? And then there are very few actual PlayStation 5 exclusives uh, that we know of that are coming out anytime soon. I don't know, Tina, what do you think? Um, I mean, about exclusives specifically, it's like, it's hard to tell. Game, games that you have to own a PlayStation 5 to play. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a slow start to, to next-gen in general. Um, honestly, we haven't seen a ton of that. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, maybe it's just that first year, second year uh, kind of transitionary period. And there's certainly a lot of like emphasis and strategy on like there's a big user base still on PS4. So want to make sure and just the old gen in general. So obviously support needs to be there. Um, but uh, it's also not shocking at all because of just the shortages that everybody's been experiencing in so many different industries because of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. they cited that also as part of the reasoning as far as why they had to kind of cut their um, their projection there. But we do know that the PS5 still outsold the PS4 in its first year. So that says something about the interest level still being there. Oh, for sure. Significant. For sure. I I guess I guess the question is, do you think people at Sony look at these numbers saying we're going to we're going to ship and sell three million units less than we thought we could? That would mean if we make a PS5 exclusive, you know, however many it sells, it's going to be selling three million units less than it possibly could. Mm-hmm. Let's let's yeah. keep, let's keep making games for PS4. Exactly, yeah. Or like the strategy being, let's have more cross generational options so that we're still reaching our overall fan base rather than the ones who were able to get a PS5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's th- th- there's that consideration, and also you know when you launch a new console, you want to crush your competition, right? And they just want to bury Sony and sell as many PlayStation fives as they can, and they mm-hmm. don't need you don't need exclusives. Like they have absolutely no need or benefit to releasing a game as an exclusive right now because. If they're selling they're all the selling, PlayStation 5s, yeah. they can. Yeah. Well, especially with the live service strategy, they, they should put it everywhere and get as much <laughs> maximize their profits for, for all their live service games. Uh, that is absolutely true. Um, I uh, also like the development between... It, clearly, it's easy to develop games on the PS5 and PS4 concurrently. And that, that seems to be the case for all the Xboxes because everybody's doing it, right? Hmm. And, and that wasn't always the case. Like, developing something for the PS2 and PS1 would have had completely different teams it was like the tech couldn't have been more different like it's incredibly a huge gap between those systems it's Mm -hmm. like game boy advance and gamecube right like those you you can't do the same game so um now i feel like it's like you know levels of pc right where it's you can Mm -hmm. you can actually make this thing run on older platforms and that was also like i think it's showing i i really have not seen a game on the ps5 that you know looks so much better than you know, Last of Us 2 or God of War, like those games look incredible still, you know, yeah. and they they're just like they haven't been surpassed in like really noticeable ways. They've been surpassed, sure, in technical ways like resolution and, you know, and, and, and reflections and things like that. But like meaningfully, when you're in the game and playing like these games don't they're not a, they're not the leap that the games used to be, which doesn't mean the demand is not there. 
you know? Sure. But it means that the, the developers probably have an easier time porting. Yeah. It is interesting to think if, if you think of the consoles like PS4 and PS5 and even Xbox One, Series S and Series X as just different levels of RTX cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's real. I, 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 there's no way. There's no way that like God of War and Gran Turismo and Horizon would be coming out on PS4 if everyone, if PS5s were plentiful and everyone could buy one that wants one. Yeah. Maybe yeah, Horizon, but I feel like that. I feel like that's the cutoff, right? But like God mm-hmm. of War, that still has an indeterminate release date far away. Like mm-hmm. I, I just I can't see it. But but you know that's that's an unanswerable question ultimately. Mm-hmm. And now that they're coming to PC, it's even more confusing to think about that. Mm-hmm. Like like would would there have been a, a plan to release those for PS4 later or something like that? Like it is weird that they're not being used to to push the PS5, obviously, but. Man, things are things are unpredictable and in flux because of uh, all of the platforms things are showing up on now. <laughs> uh, Tina, uh, uh, spinoff show, next gen game watch. Uh, is <laughs> when is God of War coming? When is Breath of the Wild two coming? Yeah, we'll we'll save that for all the inevitable episodes for even console watch that we can cover that off on. Maybe that could just be a recurring <laughs> segment here on this show. There you go. How do yeah. we feel today? Is Breath of like the Wild it. is Breath of the Wild two coming out this year? Mm-hmm. You think it is? Oh, we can do that hurts my list. heart. Wait, did you is say it, no? Is that in is that in doubt? People don't think it is. I think some people are in doubt. Oh, well, Zelda's just oh, it's, I mean, Zelda fans—they know everything's <laughs> delayed always. Like I'm, sh- I'm shocked that a Zelda game has come out in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've seen nothing, so. Well, that's, that's, a good, that's a bad sign. We've only seen Anuma apologizing for delaying it, over, and we're not showing <laughs> yeah. it. Here's something I want to show you, and we can't show you Breath of the Wild two yet. I just he's, he just has to do that all the time. We, I guess I hadn't. I'm just it's throwing me for a loop. Like I hadn't crossed my mind that, that maybe it wasn't coming out. But, but now I'm like, oh, like now I'm like synthesizing this concept in real time. Oh yeah, they'd be like, oh, but you guys got Kirby. It's fine, right? There's Splatoon. What do you What are you mad about? Bayonetta three. Kirby does. And to be clear, all of us want it to come out this year. I, I, I was just curious because I think a lot I of people... I want it to come out this month. Well, you know... Now this has made me sad. It's like, Justin, your cat's really old. Do you think you'll still have your cat next year? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> you know, Sam, some people might be able to finish certain other games this month or next month now that Breath of the Wild 2 is not here. Yes, so there's that too. Those yeah. people must be very happy about their game in that position. Also this week, the uh, uh, developer of Shovel Knight announced its first like real new new game, not Shovel Knight related in what, eight years since 2014, I think when they were started. Uh, the game is what is it called? I don't even Oh, Mina the Hollower just rolls off the tongue. Uh, but it's a top-down action action adventure in a in a Game Boy Color style of art, but with 60 frames per second, really smooth animation. Uh, they say that they're well. First of all, before we get into the uh, the, the bits of this, these, Sam, do you get like a um, uh, Link's Awakening vibe to this? Yeah, I guess so. It's got that Link's Awakening jump, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's very different from Shovel Knight. That derpy little jump over one block at a time jump. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different than Double Shuffle Knight. I mean, everybody wants more Zelda likes, right? It'd be great if that was the case. What makes it bone chilling? Are I, these all is yeah, it, is it say, set in like a Castlevania? They say it's setting? like a horror themed game. It's it's got like a gothic setting, even though it's very cutesy. It's a mm-hmm. what's whatever the cute 'em up uh, equivalent for a Castlevania like game it is, I guess. Yeah, Kid <laughs> Dracula, a cutevania, cutevania. I don't know if I want to go with that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, I assume everyone here likes Shovel Knight. Yeah, it's incredible. Shovel Knight's a great game. I haven't played any, any of the like spinoffs. Um, yeah, I think I got enough Shovel Knight when I played the first Shovel Knight. When you played the first time. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I did. I never talked about it on Scoop, but I played the puzzle. I forget what it's called, but the Shovel Knight puzzle game that came out just a few months ago. And it's awesome. Like, you know, because of course it is. But like, yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that's something that I knew I would probably like. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, you should. Shovel Knight was a big Kickstarter success back in the day. I've never kickstarted anything. Justin, did you did you help back Ever? Kick, Shovel Knight? I've never kickstarted anything. You have? Did I kick I don't yeah. know if I kickstarted Shovel Knight, but I have spent I have kickstarted probably a hundred things. Wow. Like so much. And Sam, you've kickstarted something? 
I mean, I've kickstarted, yeah, a few things. Just a few, though. I kickstarted ukulele. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, anyway, RIP. Uh, Tina, have you kickstarted anything? <laughs> I don't think I have. Like, there might have been a one-off here or there somewhere. Maybe a friend was doing something and I supported it. Um, but in, in general, it always makes it easier for coverage, too, when you're not technically a financial backer of a game. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've always just, like, left the left it to coverage instead of sure. uh, financial backing. Sure. Uh, well, they're returning to Kickstarter for uh, Mina the Hollower. They say, we want your feedback, collaboration, and support in making Mina the Hollower the best game it can possibly be. That's why we're returning to our roots, kicking off Mina the Hollower's development as a Kickstarter campaign. Though we're financing a majority of this project ourselves, we hope we can create a more expansive game this way. More importantly, we want to build a community around Kickstarter, much like we did with Shovel Knight. And unsurprisingly, they smashed their Kickstarter goal. I think we just within hours of it going live. Mm-hmm. However, what was their goal? Three hundred and something thousand, three hundred and ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Is that how much Sony could buy that game for? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, but there's a IGN user Slardy Bartfast uh, had a a comment that I saw actually repeated by several different users on our article. He says it seems mildly shady that a developer this successful wants to use Kickstarter again. It seems like they kept the goal extremely low and just want to have the same sort of player and funder engagement and enthusiasm that got Shovel Knight a lot of buzz, which may actually be a really smart idea. Though I don't think crowdfunding in general is nearly as hot as it was five years ago. So Slardy Bartfast says it's Mildly shady, but also really smart. I don't know, Justin. You're since you've started a lot of things. What's your take on that? It's, I don't. I don't know that I would characterize it as shady. I mean, I understand the perspective of like the intent behind Kickstarter is like we can't make this thing unless we get money up front. Like we yeah. need money up front to make the thing, and so it's like it solves that like chicken or egg situation, mm-hmm. right? And that's not the case with this game, where they're like, well, we're mostly funding it ourselves, and we don't really need this money, but if you want to give it to us, feel free. So like, I guess I get that, but like the, the the flip side is also true of like, it's very low stakes. And it's not like you feel like, well, if I want this game to exist, I'm required to give them the money for it up front. It's sort of like, it feels like it's totally optional, Mm -hmm. right? Where like, you know, like no one feels like they're being strong armed into it. We're like, well, Pillars of Eternity, this computer RPG is not going to exist if 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 they don't get the funding they need for it up front. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I would need to think about it, I guess, because I'm not familiar with people using Kickstarter in this sort of like very low stakes, low pressure way. Yeah. Um, but I think it's probably fine. Yeah, I don't think it's shady. Uh, you know, I think they're using it as a way, like they say, it sort of builds in. it makes the people who kickstart, they, they feel invested from the start. Right. So they're already on board and they go out and they evangelize this game for them because they've already invested in it. It does make new pre-orders. I I really don't see this as any different than buying a game. Like you're buying a game that like, you know, if if the game doesn't get made and you pre-order a game, you get your pre-order back. That's the same thing with pre-orders. Well, you don't get your Kickstarter back. They keep the money. Yeah, that's evil. (laughs) (laughs) They have given it back. There's been instances in which they do that. But that's but that's not how that like that would be voluntary. What's the on their famous part if they one? Chose to do that. What's the famous one that's been in development? Like the it's like a strategy space game. Well, Star Citizen. Yeah, not, Star Citizen. Yeah. Not running off of Kickstarter. I, you know, I also from Yacht, Yacht Club's perspective, that's the developer, right? Yeah, um, yeah. They Kickstarter is not cheap. Like the cut that Kickstarter takes is like pretty high. Yeah, so it's weird to use that platform, huh? A little bit, um, but. But, you know, I don't know. I think it seems okay. That's not what I use Kickstarter for, for the record. Like, I kickstarted weird, like, I kickstarted Blackbeard's Journal, which is a puzzle book game of these pirate puzzles. And, like, you want the product, right? That's why yeah, you, I, you... That's the whole reason, like, you couldn't play Ukulele originally unless you pre-ordered it using their Kickstarter. You, you had to do that. Like, that's, that, you know, like, there's no other distribution. Like, I want the product, you know? Yeah. I also kickstarted a board game magazine. Mm, oh, so much good stuff <laughs> on Kickstarter. <laughs> Yeah, the only other like sort of thing that would give me pause, thinking of even like myself as like a creator, is when you go to something like Kickstarter, uh, and it, and it's not just like uh, a binary situation, like Justin was explaining. Like, look, we, if we if this doesn't get funded, we cannot make this thing. If you're doing it to sort of build a community, like Yacht Club says, and get people involved in the game, and you want their feedback, and you sort of position it as a collaboration between the creator and the fans. I think sometimes fans can get a little sense of. Start to feel a sense of ownership and sort of like they have a seat at the table 
and I think it can dictate, you know, uh, decisions that the developer would make. I, I just don't, and I think it can be a tricky situation for creators to get themselves mm-hmm. into. When you think of someone like Hideo Kojima, someone who would yeah. literally never kickstart anything because he's just, he's an auteur. He has a vision. Mm-hmm. He's going to make exactly his vision and put it out there. And if people like it, great. And if not, F off, you know? Philosophically, it's, go ahead, right. Justin. I was going to say philosophically, it's a lot like early access games too, except yeah. you're, you know, actively playing, you know, in some sort exactly. of beta version of the game. But the yeah. intent being like, you know, we want your guys's active feedback. Um, some people feel icky about that, I suppose, because it's like, okay, so what are we like free QA for you? Yeah, I've seen that argument for sure. Worse than free. You're paying them to do QA. <laughs> yeah. Well, early yeah. access, not not necessarily. True. Yeah. Not um, sometimes. But yeah, different than Kickstarter for sure. That, that sort of community building strikes me as a little bit like I, I'm a huge Kickstarter fan, probably the biggest out of the four of us. Um, and I'm a huge Yacht Club fan. But like, I don't I don't I don't know that I quite believe them. Like they could accomplish all of that through Discord, you know, or through whatever. Like, you don't you, there doesn't need to be sort of the financial component to it. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't looked at their campaign yet. Like it could be a situation where if they have stretch goals, like then the fans giving money up front get to sort of increase the scope of the game like you know so actually maybe to walk back what i just said like if they can test the waters for how much the gaming community is interested in this kind of game if they love it and they blow their kickstarter up and it goes completely crazy like maybe the game gets to be twice as big as it is if the response is a little bit softer and more tepid yeah i'm I'm totally interested in playing this game i'm sure the game will turn out great yep just an interesting scenario You guys remember a while back when we heard from a listener who lived in a tree for three days? Oh yeah, that sound familiar? No. Well, no. he's back. <laughs> Travis from St. Louis, Missouri. The subject line of his email is, "Hey, it's the guy who lived in a tree again." Because <laughs> long time, second time writing in. I'm the guy that lived in a tree for three days. You read my question on Game Spook 2020. Anyway, I was wondering what hobbies you have outside of your careers in video games in general. I know besides the whole crew being cat, avid cat enthusiasts that Damon has his music and gory horror films. Justin loves board games. Tina's the movie buff and the ultimate ant. And Sam is the pinball wizard. I understand this could be a silly question. Uh, since uh, for Damon, he says like, it might be a silly question for Damon and Justin since with their kids, time for hobbies might be pretty slim. No, not a silly question. Mm. Um, Just general hobbies? That's what he's asking for outside of our career in video games. Hmm. Um, I mean, all the usual. Go ahead, Sam. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, I um. Well, you know, I like uh, I like repairing things. Mm-hmm. I I'm very much into uh, guitar amp repair right now, and pinball, and of course, arcade machines and restor- restorations stuff like that. I do a lot of collecting. I'm a I'm a really avid record collector. I probably go to three or four record stores a week. Um, shop constantly online. I like certain eras of music and I'm obsessed with them and catalog them and buy books about them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the other thing is I love traveling and I haven't been able to do that in years and I hate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, like a lot of what fits into my list is pretty limited these days too, either because of the pandemic or like other life things. But um, I grew up a competitive swimmer and I still very oh much gosh. love swimming. I never knew that about um, you. That's awesome. Yeah. I got trophies and everything. Wow, I have math cool. trophies and swimming trophies and dancing trophies. So I've been all over the place. Oh, wow. Um, but swimming I've kept up. Um, it's just such an incredible, uh, way of, of working out cause it's really yeah. low impact. It's great for your back. I have like a lot of back problems. So I haven't, um, done that, uh, just by virtue of the fact that I moved to Texas over the pandemic and like, haven't really wanted to like find a a public space to do a lot of those activities in. Um, however, I still have kept up my, my love for hiking, uh, cause it's, you know, outdoors, it's a little bit more remote. I even like doing like the drive, like I love road trips. So I love doing the long drive to a remote hike. And hopefully there's some sort of waterfall or um, watering hole at the end of it as like the the big goal, the, yeah. the trophy that you get at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the usual sus- suspect stuff. So movies was already named TV shows. And over the last two years, I've been trying to be even more cohesive about it um, since I'm covering like not just game stuff, but entertainment stuff as well. Uh, so I've been trying to keep up with everything as diligently as I can. I'm, I'm still behind on Boba Fett's this week. Uh, so I, I hear some good things about it. I've managed to avoid spoilers somehow. 
Um, magically. Yeah, I know. It's uh, the second I see like, nope, done, gone. I'm I'm not looking. (laughs) (laughs) I I have my shot later later today, hopefully. Um, That's that's why you ignored my... You ignore my invitation to go get boba tea. Because <laughs> I was worried about it. Exactly. I was like, watch Boba Fett. No, no, no. Delete. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a filter for it. A brain filter. Yeah. Um, yeah and all the, all the other usual suspects of, of things that people enjoy to do, like reading and discovering new music. And um, unfortunately, not doing so much of the exploring bars and restaurants uh, stuff that I like to do with friends. But, you know, to, to TBD, I suppose, yep. in the future. Yep. Justin, video games, board games. Yeah, I mean, the thing you need to know about me is that I don't like to go do anything. Ever. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I, yeah, it's like that's why <laughs> that's why a having kids was like great. It's like oh, awesome! Now I don't need to come up with an excuse for why I'm not going to come out. It's like the kids become the excuse. No, I mean, I like I like little things like this, this little guy. Mm-hmm. Um, which if you're watching on camera, this is actually not Lego blocks. They're called LOZ blocks and they're about 25 or 30% smaller than Lego blocks. So, and I like things like this, like magic, the gathering cards. I got my very first magic, the gathering alpha card in the mail the other day. So that was exciting. Um, no, yeah, I feel really lucky and really blessed that growing up my two hobbies and things I like to do, where I like to play video games and I like to write. And so I didn't ever have a fallback. I didn't ever have a plan B. This was like always the path that like, I feel like my adult life and my career needed to take. Um, and so, you know, board games, video games, card games, magic, the gathering, Lego, and all that nerd stuff. And, um, and getting a chance to be creative and write about it and talk about it and review it. Um, has been, you know, that's always been my jam. Well, you ended up in the right place. Uh, same with me my wife and I love to travel obviously we haven't been able to do that very much recently Uh, we also love to check out new restaurants but with two kids that's also very difficult to do so thankfully we both like to cook and we cook most nights of the week uh, and we also we're members of a couple wine clubs so we really like to cook a nice meal and have a bottle of wine Uh, I've got my music of course and then in addition to gory horror movies I'd say I'm mostly just interested in genre films in general so horror movies action Mm -hmm. movies sci-fi movies and the more the the closer it's related to the aesthetic of the 80s the better Mm -hmm. oh right yeah to add on to that because you're reminding me like yes movies in general but horror movies i Mm. everybody knows this obviously the panel knows this um but i love horror movies and i do this thing with my because i grew up in new york and i have friends that are that are still there i do this thing with my one particular horror movie buddy and we call it Simul streaming. Nobody's allowed to steal that. I'm totally claiming <laughs> copyright now. This uh, this totally counts. Um, so simul streaming TM trademarked uh, yeah. is where we literally just FaceTime together, and then she counts in three, two, one, go, and we we has play on go, and then I can always hear her audio. We level it out a little bit, and we're watching a movie together digitally. It's great okay. for pandemic times, especially. Yeah, highly recommend. Um, uh, Damon, I think you. Uh, record and put out music. I do a lot of that as well. I haven't been able to play live shows in a couple of years now, which is yeah. really sad. Um, I, I don't really want to go into it on the show, but I do a lot of live stuff. I'm actually pretty involved in booking bands in the Bay area and doing a bunch of stuff within you know, like the scene that I'm part of um, and really, really enjoy that. And I, I miss it like crazy. And uh, each summer I've you know been involved in putting on some, some pretty cool stuff with some of my favorite bands from the 60s, 70s and 80s. And, and, uh, you know, that type of stuff is just like, I, I, I can't wait for that to come back. And it's been, yeah. it's been brutal. Okay. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Austin in not the city of Austin. It comes from a person named Austin in Greensboro, North Carolina. Confusing. Mm, Let the questioning begin. <laughs> oh. what, have, what have we been talking about? Is this a top-down game? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. That's epic. I don't ever really believe there is a meta besides like it being a oh, spooky a game at, in October. <laughs> was this it's the? Was, it's the meta game we like to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was this company? Uh, did the company that made made this game ever get acquired? Um. Hmm. Ah, without I. Hmm. <sighs> Let's skip that one. Okay, is the company that made this game still around? Yes. 
Um, mm-hmm. Do they have? Oh, this is a complicated question. I was going to use the press conference thing, mm-hmm. but I don't even know anymore. I suppose. Do they have a press conference at any sort of regular format of a press conference, E3 or their own or otherwise? Do they put on press conferences, basically? Yeah, these yeah. Days. And these days, it's like a lot of people have their own digital showcases rather than it necessarily being attached to E3. Does who? The people that made this the, game? Yes. It's the publisher, right? Yeah, I suppose that's going to be more more encompassing. Yeah, the publisher. The publisher? Yes. Okay. So the publisher's around. Sounds like the dev is around. And they're big enough to kind of advertise stuff. Is this a console exclusive? Yes. Mm-hmm. Part of a series? Yes, that's five. Sony? Is this a Sony game? No. Is it a Nintendo game? Yes. Is it a Switch game? No. Oh, interesting. Yoshi's Cookie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wario's Woods. Yep. Mario teaches typing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Did this come out on a cartridge format? No. Ooh, okay, that's that's getting a little spicier. Not on the Switch, though. Did this game originally come out for the GameCube? Yes, that's 10. Oh, cool. We can get this. Yeah. Um, is this a, a, a part of the Mario universe? No. Is the franchise still active? Mm, what's the um, cutoff point? What's the? Uh, I guess like last three years. I guess. Yeah, and or if there's like an announcement or anything mm-hmm. upcoming in the future. You're asking an and or question. <laughs> Just stipulating the the specific terms. like like this console <laughs> generation. Is it active this console generation, which includes? Well, no, this... because we asked about the Switch, so I was trying to compensate oh, yeah. for that. But I'm saying, but that's going forward past past now, right? If mm-hmm. there's an announcement. Mm-hmm. How do you want to phrase your question? Should we, yeah, help me out, somebody. <laughs> um, I can't. I don't know. Uh, did this have? I guess a- we could just do the last three years. We can make that be how we frame it. But we know the answer is no because it's not on the switch. Because they've only had the one since Right, then. yeah. Right. Switch feels so much earlier. Are there plans for a sequel for this game? Not at this time. Okay. So let's um, see. A GameCube game that's not on the Switch that was exclusive to the GameCube. Like, well, we confirm it's made by Nintendo, right? Like, to be. I don't think so because me. the de- developer question have they ever been acquired? That could be Nintendo because that'd be weird if they, were, if they wouldn't have been. Right? Was this developed so, by Nintendo? No. But like, but retro was acquired by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. If it was Metroid Prime, for example, it's unclear. Yeah. Um. So, so you have Metroid Prime. It's not on the Switch. You have. I don't know. I'm trying to think. And it's not a Mario game, so it's not like Smash. So there's Pikmin. It's developed by Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, and the, does the mobile game count as it being a recent, you know, an active franchise? Oh. That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it doesn't. So Pikmin, Pikmin does not count. Well, he also said it wasn't developed by Nintendo. Did he? When? Oh, while well, we were talking. Question. Last question. Oh, I, I blacked out during that. <laughs> but it was exclusive to the GameCube. Yeah, so we're, we're really limited here. This could be... Um, and, and it was published by Nintendo, right? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, we asked that. Yeah. Published by Nintendo, but not developed so by it can't Nintendo? So it can't be the Capcom games. So what? So like Batten, Batten Kaitos, right? Were those published by Nintendo? I think they were. Yeah, I think we're going a little bit too deep here. Is this part of the Metroid series? No. Okay. What about yeah, Batten Kaitos? There's just some other RPGs. I don't know what else they published in the GameCube era, but didn't develop. It could be a Pokemon game. Could be a Pokemon game, which is also an active franchise. Mm-hmm. It's- that's very yeah. true. Can't yeah. be a Pokemon game. Is this a is this a role playing game? No, that's fifteen. It's not mm. that Kaito's. Maybe it's a maybe it's like Donkey Kong Jungle Beat type stuff. I mean, did so they did they did they, did they 
I would also call that a Mario universe game, but oh, I, I know that that's, that's controversial. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, I'm trying to think if Nintendo published any of like the Sega era, you know, GameCube. Games. Yeah, I don't think they took over publishing for that. Like Billy Hatcher and stuff. Yeah, like Billy Hatcher, or like um, uh, like you know, Sega Soccer Slam, or like uh, maybe even Monkey Ball. I don't know. Could it be Monkey Ball? No, because we just think... got one of those. Oh yeah, and we just got one of those. Raise the sun. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and it's not an RPG, so it knocks out all of those GameCube era RPGs. The Tales of Symphonia and stuff like that. Some crummy sports games for Nintendo from that era. And some good ones. Like Strikers. Those wouldn't have been developed by Nintendo. But they're part of those universes, though, right? They're all Mario. Yeah. Published by Nintendo. Does this have characters in Super Smash Brothers? I mean... Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we know it's well known enough. If it's a probably. Yeah. Remember that well, I, don't, I don't really play Smash Brothers. I just know every every conceivable character is in it. I mean, you know, so so there's like you know there's like WarioWare, but like all those are Mario Universe games, mm-hmm. and that's around still. Yeah, and okay. that is still around still. I can confirm this game features characters in Super Smash Brothers. Hmm. It's Pac-Man. There's Pac-Man versus. Yeah, and Fire Emblem. Could be Pac-Man versus. Fire Emblem's developed by Nintendo. Yeah. Could be Pac-Man versus. That'd be a mean one. Did, did Nintendo didn't publish those Capcom games? Are you sure? I don't think like, so. Because they came out on they came out on PlayStation Two eventually. Oh yeah, Beautiful Joe and Piano Three. Should we ask if there's like a puzzle element to the game, to the genre? Mm. Sorry, which which game are we trying to narrow in on? I, I don't know necessarily, but like Pac Man <laughs> would be down that path. Pac Man certainly oh, yeah, not like. Oh, yeah. oh does this have a- multiplayer? No. It's an amaze game. I always like mm. no it's multiplayer. Like, well, Battalion Wars or something like that. Yeah, but that well, maybe. Except that was made by Nintendo. We just need the franchise. If it's in Smash Brothers. We already listed um it's not Final Fantasy, it's not Kirby. If maybe um, it's a uh, Metal Metal Gear Twin Snakes. Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. Or Although, Darkness. I think it might be Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. Really? Snakes and, Snakes and Smash. It's not active over the last three He would years. know that, though. He wouldn't say probably for Snake and Smash. That's true. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Would he not? Well, and, and we've name-dropped a bunch of, like, Sega and Capcom games that we're not sure if Nintendo published them. Have we mentioned this game yet? Mm-hmm. No. Or- <laughs> <laughs> it's always a punch to the gut every time. You have a question and a guess left. Oh, wow. I gave you a I gave you a little hint earlier. When? Tell me tell us when. <laughs> Tina, can you message from someone from our next meeting to let them know we'll be there momentarily? Oh yeah. Yeah, no problem. A question and a guess. But Tina and I gotta run. Okay. I don't know I don't know what hint you gave us. Um uh it's not Zach and Wiki. It's not uh, was this, I don't know. Like, should we ask if it was received well or if it was part of a franchise? We know it's part of a franchise. Um, I can't think of what it would be if we haven't even mentioned it yet. We ran through a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we've got the wave race what type stuff, like racy stuff. Was any of that on GameCube 1080? I don't know. What, I don't or know in Smash? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe well. it's like the Wii trainer character that's in Smash. That would be hilarious. But that's not a franchise. Yeah, well, GameCube predates. Yeah, that's yeah. And it being in Smash, in hindsight, I wish I would have zeroed in on that a little more because I feel yeah. like I could have got there, <laughs> but but it's gone now. Well, what's left? We have one more question, so I don't know. Elements. I don't know. 
I can only remember good. all the ones that we've already listed and are much more popular than inevitably this one, I suspect. What was the hint? I feel like all you did was say yes or no. <laughs> Star, it could be Star Fox Adventures. That's, that's a, not a bad guess at all. Oh, well, and it was single player only. That game, mm-hmm. that game didn't have multiplayer in it. It was developed by Rare, so it'd be, it'd be part of the meta because, because this is about acquisitions. That's a, pretty good, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good guess. And there hasn't been a Fox in a while. Yeah. That's a very good. I think, I'm, I, think that's, I think that's pretty good. I don't know how to zero it in. And it's, was this, was, is it worth asking if it's a Rare game? Was that the only game they made on the GameCube? Did they do one know. more? I mean, he or would also know that Star Fox is the Super Smash Brothers. Um, or if there's like vehicles or something in the game. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that helps does us game, on other territories. Is it, does this game have space vehicles in it? Just vehicles. No. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, always was that. Shall I reveal it? Yes. Mm-hmm. I actually gave you two hits. The first came <laughs> when uh, you asked if this uh, developer had been acquired. And I said, let's just skip that one. This game was developed yeah. by Skip Limited. And Bandai. <laughs> That's and your, rude. And your second hint was when I said I gave you a little hint. Is this game Chibi Robo? Yeah. Chibi yeah. oh, Robo. Uh, yeah, and there's an amiibo for this little guy. Yeah. Yep, I have it. Chibi oh, Robo's really good. Underrated game. Did we lose last week too? I think so. Yeah. Damn. We're on a streak. Yeah, we're on. We're on. <laughs> we're on some kind of streak. <laughs> well, there's always next scoop. And mm-hmm. speaking of, that's going to be all of uh, that's all the scoops we have for you this week. Thank you to Sam. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. Game Scoop will return next week. Until then, my name is Damon. We're out.